Hi, I'm Lindsay Madonna, founder of Resource Nurse Network. Welcome to the podcast. This is a platform that aims to cultivate nurse well-being and influence organizational change. I'm a former nurse manager and resource nurse turned thought leader with a passion for making a difference through nurse connections. Let's fix nursing. One of the best things about nursing is that you can always, always change your mind. What if you got to the top of your career after so much time and effort only to realize that it wasn't all you thought it was going to be? And maybe you were actually happier in your previous setting or somewhere else entirely. Such as the story of Sharon McDade, a double master's degree nurse practitioner turned back to the bedside. You can currently find her on the night shift being the most amazing charge nurse you've ever seen in your entire life, probably. We talk legal stuff, uh, aspects of nursing that you just don't learn in school, many of them. Also, one of Sharon's passions is this concept of mutual healing, very similar to the self-transcendence theory and her own personal experience with it. Uh, Just so many valuable insights over 34 years of nursing. How can there not be? So tune in, open up those ears, open up those minds, and enjoy. Hello, Ms. Sharon. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and what you are doing now in nursing? Wow. Um, It's funny because I was talking to my husband this morning about being a nurse. And in my mind, I've always been a nurse. Even when I was a little girl, I was a nurse. It's just who I was. Um, my mother has been sick my entire life with heart issues. And so I saw at a very young age how uh, a chronic illness can affect a family. And I think that led me into the nursing field kind of in a roundabout way because I was actually pre-med coming out of high school studying chemistry and biology. Um, And then I had a change of heart and decided to enter the nursing field, graduated in 1995 from Valdosta State University with my baccalaureate degree and started working just on a med surge uh, floor in a small rural hospital. That's kind of how I got my start. And then um, marriage and moving led me eventually to end a career in ICU. Did that for about 11 years. And in the course of doing that, I completed not one, but two master's degrees in nursing. Um, I first had an emphasis in case management. My second had an emphasis as a nurse practitioner. That's and then, so cool. I didn't know you had the case management background. I, I, master, I, so. I didn't I even did. know that was a master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> and um, eventually went back to school to be a nurse practitioner. Felt like I needed to uh, gain more knowledge just about how to take care of people. And then I um, graduated in December of 2010 as a nurse practitioner. Then I started working in the infectious diseases. And I think the reason that I was drawn to that is because I like a good puzzle. I like to figure things out. Mm. And sometimes in infectious diseases, it's a puzzle trying to put all the pieces together. And then I eventually left that practice for various reasons and went into, I guess, a general medicine practice is what most people would refer to it as. And I spent the last seven years as a nurse practitioner doing that. And then I had some issues with burnout, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later because <laughs> my story of burnout is different than probably what most people are. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> we're going to be used to. But then I uh, found myself without work. I had a come to Jesus meeting in my heart. 
and decided I needed to get back to the basics. I needed to get back to what drew me into nursing um, as a profession. And so I went back to the bedside after being a nurse practitioner for 10 years. I started in February and we had our first case of COVID the end of March and I never looked back. (laughs) And I am still at the bedside, still trying to decide what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) So that's kind of my career in a nutshell. I've done several things amidst all of that. Gosh, I didn't even mention this, but so at the age of 18 was when I physically started working in the healthcare profession. So I've been in the healthcare profession 34 years. Oh man. Officially. Yeah. So I've seen a lot. Have you had just one episode of real burnout, would you say, or have there been several? When I became a nurse practitioner, I wasn't really sure what to expect. They sure do not prepare you in school for what to uh, expect dealing with not just the doctors you work for, but the office staff you work for, the insurance companies, the federal government. It's a skill set that can be hard to wrap your mind around if it's not something, if you don't have a business side to yourself. And Mm -hmm. I don't really have a business side to myself. I, I am a caregiver at heart. And so I, I wanted to take care of people, but I think in answer to your question, it was several little things that led to one big thing that led to my decision to change. When you start doing your own billing, when you get an NPI number as a nurse practitioner, it's a certain amount of oh, I did this, I can start billing. And then when you start billing, you realize, oh, I only make 85% of what a doctor makes. Mm-hmm. Or you start realizing that the doctor is using your information in ways that you did not know. So um, tell, me, tell me about that. What do you mean by that? Well, there were some issues going on behind the scenes that I was not made aware of. I was the newbie. I was the I was the innocent. I was the, oh, great, this is going to be fun. I get to run a clinic. I get to work with people. I have a doctor who seems very supportive. And um, lo and behold, there were some legalities happening behind the scenes that I was not aware of. And that did not come to fruition until several years later. To be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how much in depth I can go. But let me just say this. I did (laughs) serve as an expert witness for the federal government because that particular provider was being looked at for Medicare and Medicaid fraud. And I found out that they were using my NPI number and billing up to 70 visits a day under my information because none of the other providers in the practice had an NPI number at that point that could bill. I did not find. Yeah, exactly. I did not find that out until much later. So that kind of, you know, after after being a nurse practitioner for 10 years, finding out that somebody took advantage of you that way to the point that the federal government could have prosecuted even me, mm-hmm. but I, I did not know what had happened. And it was obvious that I did not know what had happened. But when the FBI comes knocking on your door, that's a wake up call. That was one of the reasons why I, I stepped away. Um, not everybody's going to have stories like that, but my story was like that. And so it's not that I have a bad taste in my mouth for, um, being a nurse practitioner, I'd never discourage anybody from going into practice if that is what they want to do. Um, but be prepared. Be prepared because you would be surprised what can happen and you're not aware of it. In hindsight, would you would you have any advice for new nurse practitioners going in? How do you protect yourself? Absolutely. Always have a written contract. Mm-hmm. Never word of mouth. Never handshake. Always a written contract with very specific details about 
payment, you know, your salary, any bonuses, uh, quotas that you're expected to meet. If the if the billing is going to be done under your NPI number or incident to the physician being present, which means that they can bill for visits you see under the doctor's number, provided that the doctor is present. And there are some very gray areas in that realm that um, kind of get pushed under the rug because of a need to see people, a need to take care of people. And so there are lots of areas of gray within the the billing world that um, you need to be aware of. And these are not things they teach you in school. So I just encourage anybody that wants to be a nurse practitioner, do it. The wealth of knowledge that you can gain is amazing when it comes to actually taking care of people, but do it for the right reasons and protect yourself. Make sure you have your own malpractice insurance. Mm -hmm. Make sure that if you have a DEA number, you protect that with everything that you have. So I just, it's those things that kind of put a bad taste in your mouth. I was working 60 hours a week, but I was only being paid for a 40 hour work week. And so that's the other part that I would warn nurse practitioners, particularly these days, those leaving the bedside and going into it. If you're a salaried employee, you will not make overtime. Right. So the more hours you put, the less money you actually make per hour. And that can be that can be more of a strain than people realize. It almost sounds like some great aspect of your burnout story really related to your own ability to feel safe. Like oh, yeah, absolutely. Work. It was a control thing. I had lost control. I lost control of of things that could potentially put me into jail. And I had nothing. I had nothing to fall back on. So it was very much a control and safety, safety thing for me personally. Um, I was dealing with some health issues. Um, it, there was just so much going on at that point, And it was before COVID. I would actually tell you that COVID helped me re- knew my desire to be a nurse, <laughs> which is unusual because most stories of COVID are burnout. Oh, I was so burned out. I was so burned out. I was so burned out. But I was working less. I was making more. I was enjoying my job. Um, I was getting to work with young nurses, which is a passion of mine. I was getting to take care of some sick people. And so it helped me to sort of reset my mindset as to what was important for me as a, not just a nurse, but as a human being. I love that. So when I have a, a similar experience with COVID and I thought that it was so invigorating, like the mentorship that happened, the learning that happened, skill building. I've talked about that before. What was the painful part about it for you? People come and go. And mm -hmm. I grew up as a military brat. So <laughs> I am very good at putting things into a box. We had some people come through that were absolutely amazing that I still stay in contact with. Um, and then we had some people come through that we were glad left. Right. I mean, to be honest, we had good nurses and we had some nurses that you just wondered about. Mm -hmm. um, I have met so many people throughout my nursing career. I mean, I can remember my very first job. I had an LPN that showed me how to start IV. Mm -hmm. That was back in 1996. I mean, that's how long ago that I, people I have contacted have impacted my life. I felt so bad for not not just the staff during COVID, but the patients, because they were coming into the hospital and they were being isolated. They were being put into a room. Anybody that came into the room, you couldn't see a smile on their face 
all you could see was a mask and a gown and everything else that we were doing because we didn't know what to, you know, what we were supposed to do. We didn't know what was going to happen with that. And that impacted a lot of patients, I think, that we don't really even understand to what extent yet. I imagine there'll be studies that come out. Yeah, I'm, the people that we came into contact with, you do you, that sense of loss. Yeah. It can be difficult for folks if, again, they don't know how to deal with that loss. For me, though, being being a mili- being in the military as a young child, being moved around, I ha- I was used to people leaving. That wasn't something that surprised me. It wasn't something that affected me the way it may have affected other people. Um, I saw any nurse that came that I started working with that started traveling is doing something interesting. I really, I mean, I hear some of the horror stories about how they were treated, how the patient loads they had. We didn't. I mean. It, it was it was tough a couple of times, don't get me wrong, but we didn't have anything on the med surge floor where I was working like they did at other hospitals, I don't think. And part of that was because of excellent leadership. Ah. And part of that was just because I think that it helped having nurses there who had some experience. We had LPNs that had 30 years of experience working with people. And that is a that is a, a an area of expertise that I think we often overlook. That group of people has more knowledge on taking care of patients than some of the best baccalaureate people I've ever worked with. It, it's interesting too because a lot of LPNs had background experience working in the LTAC setting, and they were more comfortable with some of that respiratory care, especially with trace. Absolutely. Than even your your average you know your average RN. I remember going around and trying to make sure like that that education component was there for the comfort level of the nurse. And I would go up to an LPN, how, how are you with, you know, you have two trach pains today. How's your comfort level? They're like, oh yeah, no, I got this. I've been doing trachs. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they, they are, um, they are a unique group of people that I don't think we give enough credit to sometimes. Anyway, I, you know, back to your question about um, loss. Yeah, we had some great employees that went on to travel. We had some great employees that have come back from traveling because it wasn't everything they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some nurses, we need to have a certain sense of, I won't say control or safety, but just comfort in knowing that in this organization where I work, I know that I've got people who will support me. Therapy was a crucial piece of my recovery from work-related burnout. Regardless of if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world going through a hard time, I know all my nurses and healthcare professionals can use some tools to approach life in a very different way. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, you could do do it right from your phone. BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com slash resource. Clicking that link helps support this channel, but it also gets you 10% off. That is 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. 
Sometimes in life, all you need is a little accountability and a resource that makes it simple. All things in life should be as simple as getting therapy through BetterHelp. This is the service I used for months and I can't recommend it highly enough. My therapist used to even send me little journal entries and shoot it through to the app and I would do that little exercise prior to our next session and I would find it so enlightening. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com resource. That's betterhelp.com slash resource. And thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. But I mean, you were you were such a blessing to really Aww. any unit. You're such a blessing to any unit that you work in. I'm sure you're just one of those people that you're you're a natural leader. You're so knowledgeable. You've you've got not only the years of experience and the knowledge behind you, but also it's like you never really lost touch with being compassionate and actually caring about what it is that you do. You know, a lot of us, we kind of get hardened over over time. It's something that you see sometimes, unfortunately. But with you, I do feel like you, you really just care so deeply. For a little bit there, we were working together and I was concerned for you because you were working so much over time, remember? I remember. And... <laughs> but you really can put so much of yourself into a job and somehow keep it together, like better than most of us. Well, (laughs) okay, so we'll dig into that just a little bit. I think first and foremost, um, it comes from my faith. I am a true believer in Jesus and what he did when he was on this earth. And I think because of that belief and remembering everything he went through, I keep in the back of my mind that this is nothing like that. I try to also remember that each and every patient that comes into the hospital, except for maybe a few, don't really want to be there. They don't want to be sick. They don't want to be away from their family and their friends. And having been a patient myself, I know what that's like. And I feel like my own experience, personal experience allows me express some of that compassion to others. The other thing that I was, this will get back to some of the nurse practitioner stuff, is that when you come across a person, they have a story and they have a story they want to share and they do not want to be considered a number or a statistic. They want to know that you have that compassion for them so that they feel like you understand what they're going through. And in the nurse practitioner world, what that what that came to was that I still know what pharmacies they use. I know what their chickens' names are. I know what their grandchildren's names are. I knew where they grew up. By so true. <laughs> I remember you walking the floor in the morning, and you had a whole story about every single one of those forty three <laughs> patients. And I'm yeah. like, this girl has the memory of an. I I don't even know. I don't, well, I don't know how she does it. It it comes from wanting to treat everybody like I want treated. And it comes down to the golden rule. You treat people the way that you would be treated. And um, I think that's probably where I am able to come to people with that compassion. Because I have seen people suffer in my lifetime unneedlessly. And I've seen people judged in my lifetime unneedlessly. And the one thing that I want people to understand when I come to them is that I don't judge you. I have compassion for you. I love you the way that Jesus loves me full of grace, full of mercy, and full of hope. And that is how I got through it. That's how I still get through it. I walk down the hall singing songs in my head, knowing that there's there's a, there's something better out there. When we were talking briefly before, you mentioned this concept of mutual healing between you and a patient. Correct. So explain what you meant by that. 
I think for the patient, of course, it's the physical side of it. But for the nurse, it helps to take the focus off of themselves. And for healing to happen for, I know for me personally, I have to take the focus off of me. And by taking care of patients, that allows me not to focus so much on myself. And for me, that's a healing process. Because when I start focusing on me, I start realizing all of my faults, all of my failures, all of the things that keep me down. But when I'm able to not engage that part of my brain and I'm able to focus on others, then that gives me peace about myself. And I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. It, but, no, it makes perfect sense. But that's kind of that's kind of how I find my joy. Jesus, others, yourself, that's J-O-Y. I'm a big acronym person. So that's how I find my joy is by looking at other people and helping them through their difficulties. I'm able to sometimes even find ways to help myself through difficulties. And I think that the more vulnerable that you can be with a patient, even though sometimes it sounds like counterintuitive because you almost want to have those walls up sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's easier to have the walls up and just treat them just like a patient, not not like a person. Not person, you know? exactly. It's actually, I feel like the secret to nursing to really get that mutual healing that occurs. This is something that I've been like a little obsessed with for a long time now. <laughs> well, the concept of self-transcendence where you share, you get vulnerable, and then you help them. But that's the cycle of nursing and what makes it so satisfying is that unintentionally and unbeknownst to you, a lot of the time that action actually heals your soul especially someone like you who grew up with a sick mom or you're taking care of your husband or you've had wounds that have happened to you over the years in this long nursing career that you've had. You've had a wealth of experiences and at this point in your career, you have so much to share and get vulnerable about. So many things that you can identify with and other people that have also triggered, touched some memory of yours in yourself, some some wound in yourself. Yes. And, and it kind of just comes back and, and heals that wound a little bit. Exactly. And unless you experience that, I don't think you can understand I agree. that. And um, we get a lot of younger nurses who have never, they've never been a patient. They've never experienced any kind of surgery. They've never experienced any kind of pain. Um, I think about the younger nurses, and I won't say younger people. I'm going to say younger nurses because some of our nurses are, this is their second career and they're in the mm -hmm. middle ages. But the younger nurses, I can, it was fascinating for me during COVID to learn that they had never had an encounter with a patient in nursing school. Right. You know, I, that, weird just, time. that was such a weird time. I still look at those nurses and some of them have done very well and some of them still struggle with that whole connecting with a patient. What would you say bedside is giving you that makes you more satisfied with your job than nurse practitioner? It's actually really simple. I get to leave work at work. Um, when I go in and I am working a 12 hour shift, you know, we have tasks we have to meet, we have goals we have to meet. But when I clock out, I don't have to go home and finish a note, worry about if the bill's going to be paid. I know I'm getting paid for every minute of work that I'm putting into work. And so going back to the bedside actually allowed me freedom to do the things that I enjoy, to do other things, to, to not have to work six days a week. I, I only have to work three days a week now. I choose to work four, but that's my choice. 
but even working for, I'm working a lot less than I ever did as a nurse practitioner. So going back to the bedside allowed me a sense of freedom that being a nurse practitioner did not, which I know you, you, um, you may have even talked to people, oh, I'm going to be a nurse practitioner. So I have a regular eight to five job. Most nurse practitioners don't have an eight to five job. They may go into the office at 7, 7.30 to finish the notes they may not have gotten to the day before. And if they're a nurse practitioner who's out in solo practice, then they have to make sure their bills are done and ready to be submitted. Um, If they don't have a billing company and all of a sudden they're responsible to handle denials and then you have all the prescription refills and the phone messages you have to return and the emails you have to return. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, you still have a family to take care of. You've got CEUs you need to do. And, you know, that's just supposed to be Monday through Friday. So then you're exhausted on Saturday. And then Sunday, you got to get ready to start all over again. For me, as a nurse practitioner, and my husband would tell you this in a heartbeat, I get so involved with my patients that, I mean, they still have my cell phone number. I got so involved with my patient care that I forgot to take care of me. But now back to the bedside, I can go and take care of people and then I can come home and take care of me. And that freedom that came from being at the bedside is probably the number one thing that keeps me there. The number one satisfier is your freedom. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. This is something I've said often, that if I could open up a free clinic, not have to worry about insurance, not have to worry about anybody paying anything, but just be able to share the knowledge, write the prescriptions, teach the people how to take care of themselves and still get all of my bills paid, I would do that in a heartbeat. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. So I choose to be in an environment that provides me comfort and freedom. Just to dig in there, what I hear you saying is that the part of your job that's going to satisfy you when you're at work is the part where you get to be with the people. You get to be with the patient. You get that mutual healing benefit. You heal them. They heal you. You share your knowledge. You feel at home. You also love the mentorship that happens when you're at work. So then that that job also has to give you rest, like adequate rest, adequate time away from work. You have to be able to disconnect so that you can kind of recharge your batteries. Number two, when you're at work at the nurse practitioner setting, particularly, you're describing a situation where a lot of your day was spent on not the patient, not that mutual healing. It was, it went to billing. It went to things that kind of frustrated you. And that's kind of where my mind goes a lot is because as nurses, I feel like we're designed to get job satisfaction just as you described it when we're with patients. And in this current healthcare system where there's so many breakdowns and just that's the reality of the world that we live in today, it's very common to go into any job any job. You could be, you know, I can tell you my manager experience as well. It's like you have this part of your job that's so satisfying and you love it so much. You're so passionate. But then there's this other percentage that's just getting increasingly greater. That's everything that you don't like to do. You know, it's (laughs) all of the things that just seem like a nuisance that they're not in your, not in your wheelhouse. They're not your expertise. They don't fill your cup. So what do you do with all of that? So in your nurse practitioner practice, like maybe maybe you're onto something there where you have a free clinic and maybe you can outsource all the things that give you a headache. You know, it's something that should be on your radar probably to outsource some of this stuff to preserve your healthcare staff. And we see it at the bedside as well with all the difficulties that exist, 
especially that were like pronounced when there was short staffing periods of time. And I know things are better now, but looking at it objectively, there were a, there was a lot of your day that was pulling you away from the patients, especially when you were taking that extra patient or when the charge nurse was no longer free or when the, you know, yeah. when the supplies weren't worth it. Like, you know, those are the things, oh. those are the things that my mind always goes to is how can you set up your environment so that you're setting up the staff to be satisfied kind of. You know, system-wise, if systems want to improve healthcare, um, particularly hospital systems, providing supplies and equipment is such a big issue. You know, when we run out of something and have to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes looking for it, that just took 30 minutes out of our day looking for something that we should have had readily available. I can remember, um, it may have been during the Delta wave of covid Mm -hmm. Uh, you as the manager set up supply stations for us we had them outside the rooms and that was remember the tables and you got the gowns and the gloves and the masks and just having those readily available made all the difference we always had what we needed during that time frame just and it's the simple things it's sometimes it's not it's not anything big anyway that's an example of how a good manager can take care of their staff Thank you. This week, I gave myself something special. I purchased a 30-day reset of plant-rich, all-organic, gluten-free, and dairy-free meals prepped for breakfast, lunch, and dinner delivered right to my doorstep. My first thought was, oh my gosh, this is perfect for nurses working multiple days in a row. That's why I'm so excited to share that this episode is brought to you by Saqqara. Saqqara is a lifestyle that looks at food as medicine and believes in the power of transformation. Plant-based, organic, gluten-free, and dairy-free meals and supplements delivered to you fresh weekly. You can get 20% off, that's 20% off your first order by using the code RSN. Sakara. In order to help support this show, be sure to use the link in the show notes to make your purchase and include the code RSN Sakara at checkout. This applies to all first-time customers on any meal program or wellness product. The meals were absolutely delicious and truly unique. Even though they were plant-based, I noted more than enough protein, plenty of fiber, and so much variety. There were superfoods in there that I had never tried or even heard of before. Give your body what it deserves this year and try a meal plan from Sakara. Don't forget to use the link below and code RSN. RSN Sakara at checkout for 20% off. Thank you again to Sakara for helping to support this show. This episode is brought to you by Resource Nurse Network, the business side. In this podcast, we see genuine themes that run deep within the nursing profession and attempt to uncover just what it is that could finally bridge the gap between leadership and the bedside, help heal the nursing profession, and bring joy back to nursing again. I strongly believe in treating the root cause of burnout and trauma within healthcare, and that when we do that, both nurses and their organizations will transcend into a greater state of health. After learning about the root cause of burnout from my theoretical perspective, most leaders then ask the question, where would you start? What are the solutions? I introduce a framework that tackles efficiency from every angle, an overarching initiative that with one focus can tackle work burden, nurse satisfaction, patient satisfaction, quality outcomes, and your finances. This is my specialty. And you guessed it, I get your resource nurses involved. Because this process is highly creative and unique to each organization, this is where I ask you to contact me. We need to work together on this to find a solution that is custom and looks right for you. You can contact me at lindsaymadonna at gmail.com and my contact information is always in the show notes. Let's do this. Let's fix nursing. And thank you again for listening to the Resource Nurse Network podcast. So when you were describing ability to feel safe, yes, legally really, 
One gray area for me, and this is another one of those things that's just not in your average nurse's wheelhouse because it's because it's legal. Would you recommend that your bedside nurse these days does carry their own malpractice insurance? Ah, that's a mm, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> one, if you carry your own insurance, then of course there's money for the attorney to go after. Most of the malpractice insurances will come with legal advice, free legal advice, that if you do ever find yourself in that situation, you know, you can call. I didn't mention this, but I was a certified legal nurse consultant at one point in my career. Mm. I can remember being told that out of all of the cases that happen, most people just want you to tell them the truth. And if they feel like they're being lied to, that tends to be when they're, you know, the, the hairs on their neck go up. At that point, I was told not carrying malpractice insurance was for the better. But then I've also heard other arguments. And again, in a discovery period during a legal proceeding, if they find out that you have malpractice insurance, sometimes they will list the nurse just to be able to get access to that money because it's all interesting. about saying that's really interesting. It's it's all about the money. And that money is a lot easier to get than going after somebody's personal stuff. So I wish I could say, oh, yes, go get it. But it's a personal decision. A little trickier than that. Yeah. What I can tell you is that during my career, I have only been part of a deposition involving patient care one time mm-hmm. in the 34 years that I've been in healthcare. Maybe this will pull full circle into why caring and showing somebody compassion makes all the difference. Several of us got called and it was a year and a half after the patient had been in the hospital. And um, none of us knew which patient it was. But when the attorney for the hospital was talking to us and he said, does anybody remember this person? I put my hand up and said, yes, I do. And he said, why do you remember this person? I said, because after I clocked out, I stayed and washed her hair and helped her get her makeup on because her boyfriend was coming into town. Aww. And so I was not listed as part of that lawsuit because I was not somebody who had not shown her compassion. It was the nurse who didn't show her compassion that she listed in that lawsuit. And did something bad happen? Yeah, something bad happened and people weren't paying attention. But sometimes spending time with patients and showing them the compassion and the care that everybody in this world wants makes all the difference in if they're going to sue you or not. (laughs) That has been my experience. How about... If you just get nostalgic about sure. how, pra- how practicing was uh, 20, 20 years ago or, <laughs> or so, what lessons have been lost? I would encourage everybody to continue their education, no matter what kind of education that is. Um, if it's education into doing something that you want to do as an entrepreneur, like you're doing with this podcast, if it's, you know, wanting to seek a certification, do your CEUs, go places and do your CEUs, learn, always, always, always learn because technology is causing healthcare to change in immense ways, some for the good, some for the not so good. And then I would always encourage people to take time with their families and particularly the young moms, because your kids don't stay young forever. They grow up and some things are more important than, well, I won't say some things are more important. Just enjoy them while they're young. Don't worry if the house isn't cleaned up. 
mm-hmm. or the bathroom isn't straight. Go outside and play ball. Go outside and dig in the dirt. Go outside and draw on the sidewalk because those days you can't get back. So further your education, enjoy your family, take time for yourself after, you know, you work a few days. If you need time to rest, time to just veg, time to play a stupid game on your phone, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be everything to everybody. I love it when you say further your education because that's not your it's not your average response to that question. <laughs> and you hear all the time, self-care, self-care, self-care. And the education piece, I 100% agree because it gets your juices flowing again. It just gets you thinking again. We just have a tendency to disengage and disconnect and like think, okay, well, we got the, we got the RN now, or we got the degree now. So let's just work and make money now. But really there is another responsibility to this practice. And I feel like this is This is a generational thing that I see. You go to a nursing conference and you see everyone who has been doing this for 20, 30 years at the conference and where are the newbies? They're not present. Yeah, it's very much a generational, it's a generational thing. Um, There are some of them that are excellent, but Mm -hmm. I would say 60, 65, maybe even 70% of the younger generation of nurses, it's just a job. It's not a career. Right. Maybe that's a Maybe that's a good analogy. It's just a job until something else comes along. It's not a career. It's not something I want to pour myself into. Having said that, technology on this younger generation is so much more pronounced than it ever was for me. I think that we spend a lot of time looking at a screen rather than teaching the patient, caring for the patient. All of a sudden, a doctor was not coming in and talking to you. They were looking at their computer screen. Even today, when I go and see my primary care doctor, he's got the computer up. How you doing? Typing away, looking at the computer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, I'll put that in. You know, so there's no, well, how's your family doing? How are you doing? How is life going? And so I feel like the computer sort of caused some of the disconnect that I see in healthcare to the detriment of the patients, in my opinion. I understood completely why the government wanted this push for electronic medical records. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because providers were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. It was that it was too complicated for the government to find what the providers were doing. (laughs) So then when the electronic medical record came out and you had certain mandates that you had to meet and you had boxes that you had to check, then that then when you submitted your report to the government, it said, yes, you got 80% of your patients to check this box. Did you really do it? They just have the data that says you did. Right. That copying and pasting causes the independent thought process to disappear. You can just go with somebody else's thought. I agree. But that's almost like the responsibility that we have now. How do you fix nursing? That right there is a very large factor. You really don't learn, for example, the business side of nursing until you specifically take a course on it that they like they're starting to introduce these courses. Now you don't learn informatics. That's a graduate level degree. Nursing theory. And these are all such crucial components to our practice. And they're so crucial in how we fix inefficiencies caused by the last push for innovation with electronic charting, we figured out a way to get back to the patients again, aligning with what we'd actually like to do again, because we're equipped with the tools and the education as, as part of our resources. Yeah. There are things that as nurses, we're required to do at work, but nobody ever explained to the nurses why. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they told me I had to, but did you ask them why? Do you understand why this is necessary? And I think that that provides some set, some degree of satisfaction is to know I'm doing this part of my job because not only does it help the patient, it helps us identify things the patient may need, and it's going to help get the money that the hospital needs in order to write my paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I do think business classes in nursing would be a good thing to have at the undergraduate level. And for the graduate nurses, having some basic accounting classes, having basic business classes, having a class that says, these are the things that I would recommend you do to prepare yourself for what you're fixing to enter. Absolutely. would be useful. One of the things that I, I, and I've taught nurse practitioner students from various organizations, but the one thing that I always told them to do, because nobody ever told me, is that before you mount your degree, make a copy of your degree. And the reason that I say that is because if you are ever to be credentialed for an organization, you have to have copies of your degrees. And so if your degree is mounted on the wall in a big, you know, 20 by 20 frame, because you're so (laughs) proud of this degree, all of a sudden you can't make a copy of it. And you put Everything that you need in that file fax, copies of the trees, copy of your DEA license, copy of all of your CEUs for the year, copies of your contracts, copies of your malpractice. Because if you change jobs and you go get credentialed somewhere else, they're going to want copies of the last couple of years of malpractice, proof of malpractice insurance. If you have it all in one location, the stress level is way, way less. Nobody taught me that. I had to learn that on my own. Just something that simple. So good. Any final uh, final words, last moments of <sighs> last <laughs> wisdom? <laughs> okay. So I, you know, when I was in my first graduate program, I, um, we had a class where we had to come up with sort of an idea. And so this has been, this has always been my idea. Um, this has been my theory of nursing. What I always tell people to picture is an artist in an easel. The blank canvas is going to be your patient. And you as the nurse or the artist. And on your palette of colors are chemistry, biology, sociology, psychology, anthropology, um, spirituality, humanity, all of the different sciences. And you as the nurse have to take that knowledge from all of those different sciences, introduce them to the patient on the canvas in order to create the art of nursing. I love that so much. (laughs) If I could add one more color for Mm -hmm. them to paint with, it would be probably just your own personal experience. Exactly. Like what thread of you yourself are you going to weave in there? Because that's how you're going to get back that mutual healing. Yep. Thanks for listening. If you love the episode, please leave a five-star review and follow the podcast. If you would like to become part of Resource Nurse Network, it's very easy. Just follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Resource Nurse Network. If you would love to come on the podcast and share your story and or if you have an innovative idea that would give nurses back their time and you want to implement this at your hospital, please send me a direct message or email me at lindsaymadonna at gmail.com. When nurses are aligned, we can do anything. It's up to us to shape the environments of our healthcare future. Let's do this. Let's fix nursing.